On today's story session, a tale about the wacky challenges of being raised by cannibals. This is Ockerlo. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast about how brutally dark and totally insane folktales and fairy tales used to be, which in my opinion just made them way better. So we're going through the original versions of Grimm's fairy tales, story by story. We'll figure out the intended lessons and the actual lessons of each story, and afterwards I'll adapt the tale into a movie or TV show. So let's get right to it with today's tale titled, Ockerlo. We begin. A queen put her child out to sea in a golden cradle and let it float away. Okay, what now? We're not going to get into why this is happening at all. Just a straight to baby in the cradle going down the river. It, okay, if this was a normal person, they could just be like, they couldn't support a child or something. But this is a queen. Why would a queen feel compelled to do this? Because whatever it is... There's a fucking story there, I'd love to hear it, but we're blowing straight past that. So, moving on. However, the cradle didn't sink, but drifted to an island, inhabited only by cannibals. Well, that is just terrible luck right there. <laughs> that's, that's what we call going from bad to worse. When the cradle drifted toward the shore, a cannibal's wife happened to be standing there. Upon seeing the child, who was a beautiful baby girl, she decided to raise her, and later give her to her son, who would wed her one day. Ew, what? She's being groomed to be a cannibal's wife? Well, I guess that's better than them just eating her one day, but still creepy as hell. She was supposed to be a princess, or even a queen herself, but now she's being adopted by cannibals. Not as their own child, but as the future wife of their son. <laughs> So, real weird all around here. What what do they do with a golden cradle, though? Because that obviously implies some significance if you find a child inside of a golden cradle. At the very least, you could sell it for a bunch of money. We continue. But she had a great deal of trouble hiding the maiden carefully from her husband, Old Ockerlo. For if he had laid eyes on her, he would have eaten her up, skin and bones. All right, well, fucking hell. How the hell does she expect to raise a child in secret? And even if she somehow manages to raise her in secret, how is she planning to explain the random appearance of this girl on Cannibal Island in, like, 20 years? And also, how is she going to explain why she immediately wants her son to marry this random girl? What is this plan? What is the plan here, lady? When the maiden had grown up, she was to be married to the young Ockerlo. I guess, Ockerlo Jr., but she couldn't stand him and cried all day long. <laughs> okay, so I guess she successfully raised this child in secret, but the girl would have had to have been kept hidden for her to do that. So how does the girl know that she hates this woman's son? I know I keep jumping in, but we're, we're blowing past a ton of stuff here. I would I just really appreciate some more information about how all this went for the 15 to 20 years she secretly raised this random girl 
on an island of cannibals. Again, there's gotta be some great stories from that time period with lots of interesting moments. But again, blowing straight past it. So, moving on. Once, when she was sitting on the shore, a young handsome prince came swimming up to her. When it was clear that they each took a liking to each other, they exchanged vows. What? Who the fuck is this guy now? And how do we know that he's a prince? He's just a guy that randomly swam up out of the ocean and told this girl he's royalty. Don't fall for this shit. There's random dudes all over the world trying to pull off bullshit moves like that every day. How, okay, question, how close is this island to other places that some guy can just swim there? And why is he swimming to fucking Cannibal Island anyway? What's this guy's deal? Not only does he swim to Cannibal Island, but he marries the first girl he sees there? Sorry, but this guy is not a prince. A prince has options when it comes to women. This sounds like a classic situation of a desperate guy who's like, well, nobody likes me where I'm from, so I'm going to move somewhere else and try to use the fact that I'm foreign to come up with a new identity and seduce women. Don't fall for it, girl. And then they got married because they took a liking to each other. If you take a liking to someone, go on a date. Get a fucking slice of pizza. Don't immediately get married. Uh, And lastly, if he is a prince and we know that she's the daughter of a nearby queen, pretty decent chance this guy's her brother, right? So considering everything we know, Cannibal Boy is starting to look like not such a bad option, actually. (laughs) Uh, All right, so we continue. So she exchanged vows with this alleged prince who just appeared out of the ocean, Just then, the old cannibal's wife came, and she got tremendously angry at finding the prince with her son's bride. So, she grabbed hold of him and said, Just wait, we'll roast you at my son's wedding. The young prince, the maiden, and Ockerlo's three children had to sleep together in one room. Ouch, well, this somehow just got even creepier. When night came, old Ockerlo began craving human flesh and said, Wife, I don't feel like waiting until the wedding. I want the prince right now. However, the maiden had heard everything through the wall, and she got up quickly, took off the golden crown from one of Ockerlo's children, and put it on the prince's head. When the old cannibal's wife came in, it was dark, so she had to feel their heads, and took the boy who wasn't wearing a crown, and brought him to her husband, who immediately devoured him. Well, didn't this kid wake up at some point while he was literally being dragged out of his room and eaten and say like, hey dad, what the hell? You think he would have woken up after his mom dragged him out of his bedroom, but I guess these cannibals are the heaviest sleepers in the world and also don't own any lights to see who they're actually eating? (laughs) Uh, Why are they sleeping in crowns? Anyway, what the hell is that about? They're just a random family of cannibals who aren't royal as far as we know. You'd think if anyone was wearing a crown, it would be the prince, right? Instead of everyone wearing a crown other than the prince. Weird choice by whoever wrote this. 
Very weird choice. Meanwhile, the maiden became terribly frightened, for she thought, as soon as day breaks, everything will be revealed, and we'll be in for trouble. So she got up quietly and fetched seven-mile boots, a magic wand, and a cake with a bean that provided answers for everything. Fucking hell, guys. So once again, we've got magic randomly showing up halfway through a story. Why didn't this girl think to run away with the magic wand and magic bean cake, whatever the hell that is, before this moment? She was already miserable and betrothed to a guy she hated to be inducted into this family of cannibals. That is more than enough reasons to run away. And if she's got access to this incredible stuff, what what is stopping her? Okay, okay, wait. She's been raised by this group of cannibals on Cannibal Island for her whole life since she was a baby. So, that means she's definitely a cannibal too, doesn't it? Yikes. That is a rough realization. Because there's no way she's not a cannibal. It was established that this island is inhabited only by cannibals. So on this island, that's what food is. <laughs> people equals food. And she was raised on this island, so she wouldn't know any different. Obviously, the people raising her are making food for her and determining her eating habits and what food is. And that food equals people. Sure, the story won't mention that, but there's no way she is not a cannibal at this point in her life. Yeesh. Okay, moving forward with that harrowing knowledge. Also, the story has some parallels to a previous story where a stepmother chopped off her stepdaughter's head because of a similar bedtime switcheroo scenario that caused mistaken identity. Fun times. We continue. So she got all this magic stuff. After that, she departed with the prince. They were wearing the seven-mile boots, and with each step they took, they went a mile. Shouldn't they be called one-mile boots, then? Sometimes they asked the bean, Bean, are you there? Yes, the bean said. I'm here, but you'd better hurry. The old cannibal's wife is coming after you and some other seven-mile boots that were left behind. Come on, guys. Come on, guy. Obviously, you gotta take that last pair of boots with you when you leave. And I don't understand what a cake with a bean is. I can't. I can't picture this. What is happening here? The maiden took the magic wand and turned herself into a swan, and the prince into a pond for the swan to swim on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now this is getting very similar to that previous story. But I'm curious to see the differences, because this version has a thousand times more cannibalism in it, and I enthusiastically welcome that addition to the narrative. <laughs> the cannibal's wife came and tried to lure the swan to the bank, but she didn't succeed, and went home in a bad mood. The maiden and the prince continued on their way. Bean, are you there? Yes, the bean said. I'm here, but the old woman's coming again. The cannibal explained to her how you duped her. The princess took the wand and changed herself and the prince into a cloud of dust. Akerlo's wife couldn't penetrate it, and again had to return empty-handed, while the maiden and the prince continued on their way. Why is it that whenever the bean tells them she's coming, they, like, stop and turn themselves into stuff? They're wearing the same boots, they can run at the same speed, just keep going. 
Because the old woman could just, like, stay there and, like, wait it out. There's no reason she has to go back home after all of these attempts. She could just wait it out. This is, this is a horrible plan. Just keep moving. Stop stopping and turning yourself into random shit. We continue. Bean, are you there? Yes, I'm here, but I see Akula's wife coming once more, and she's taking tremendous steps. The maiden took the magic wand for the third time and turned herself into a rose bush, and the prince into a bee. The old cannibal's wife came and didn't recognize them because of their changed forms. So she went home. Why don't they just attack this woman and steal her fucking boots? This woman is just a random lady. Being a cannibal doesn't mean she has any, like, innate magic powers or any more strength than they do. There's two of them, and they have a literal magic wand. Just hide behind a tree, get the drop on this lady, steal her boots, and then take off again with the knowledge that she'll never be able to get you now. Just a punch to the face would take, would take care of this. You're overthinking it. Also, the maiden and the prince really taking their sweet time here. This cannibal lady has caught up with them, gone back home, and then caught back up with them, starting from her home, on three separate occasions. By day three, you should be far enough away that she can't reach you, right? Get a fucking move on, guys. Yeesh. Now the maiden and the prince couldn't regain their forms because the maiden, in her fear, had thrown the magic wand too far away. Come on. Why did she throw it away from her all? I mean, it doesn't matter where she threw it. She turned herself into a fucking rosebush, so she wouldn't be able to grab it even if she was an inch away. The prince is a bee, though, so he could go over and land on it, figure something out. I don't know. A bee is probably too weak to do anything here, but yeah, he'd land on it, then somehow use it. I don't know the ins and outs of this wand. She was a cloud of dust before, and that didn't seem to be any hindrance. Why didn't she just turn herself into a bird or something that could fly over to the wand and grab it? You're really not thinking this through, maiden. Every step of the way, every seven-mile boot step of the way, you're not thinking it through. We continue. Yet, their journey had taken them such a long distance that the rose bush now stood in a garden that belonged to the maiden's mother. How? Wait, how? How? How is that possible? They were on an island. I know they've got the magic seven-mile boots or whatever, but they... Can those boots travel over water? Come on, now. The bee sat on the rose, and he would sting anyone who tried to pluck it. <laughs> so this is just... This is just their life now. He's a bee who stings anyone who gets too close to this one bush. That's the, that's the most tragic thing I have ever heard. The girl turned herself into the whole bush, though, so wouldn't she be fine if someone plucked a rose? She could grow more. She's a rose bush now. Or is she not actually a rose bush? She's just in the shape of a rose bush, which would mean plucking a flower would be like ripping off her leg or something. Yikes, that is, that is brutal. No wonder her bee boyfriend is so aggressively protective here. <laughs> he, should, he must be terrified and exhausted from being on high alert all the time. She, she really shouldn't have turned herself into a bush, man. One day, the queen herself happened to be walking in the garden and saw the beautiful flower. She was so amazed by it that she wanted to pluck it. 
but the little bee came and stung her hand so hard that she had to let go of the rose. What the hell, Prince Bee? You gotta be more on top of this shit. You gotta scare these people away before they get too close, not when they've already got a hand on the flower. Come on, buddy. Yet, she managed to rip the flower a little, and suddenly she saw blood gushing from the stem. Shit, that is terrifying. The rosebush is literally gushing blood. <laughs> if I was this queen, I'd be like, this garden is cursed and is being protected by a demon bee. We gotta kill this bee and burn the entire garden to the ground. Also, we're moving. Fuck this. Let's hope this queen isn't quite that reactive. <laughs> then she summoned a fairy to break the enchantment of the flower and the bee, and the queen then recognized her daughter again and was very happy and delighted. They can just do that? They can just summon a fairy? They've got access to fairies whenever they want? Because that's pretty cool. But how did she recognize her daughter? She was a She was a baby the last time she saw her. Also... She set her adrift down a river when she was a baby. Why is she suddenly so happy to see her now? What changed? What happened? Why did she send her baby down the river? And why is she now accepting and happy to see her? What the hell is going on with this queen? She just moody and impulsive or something? Man, this maiden should be careful. Tread lightly. She doesn't want the queen to have a bad mood and order her death or something. We continue. Now, a great wedding was held, and a large number of guests were invited. They came in magnificent array, while thousands of candles flickered in the hall. Music was played, and everyone danced until dawn. Then we have a quote. Quote, were you also at the wedding? Of course I was there. My hairdo was made of butter, and as I was exposed to the sun, it melted and was muddled. My dress was made from a spider's web, and as I went through some thorn bushes, they ripped it off my body. What is happening? My slippers were made of glass, and as I stepped on a stone, they broke in two. The end. What the actual fuck was that last paragraph about? Who is even supposed to be saying that? The narrator? There was there was there a narrator? There wasn't a narrator addressed at any point so far. I am so confused. And this narrator person is like, yeah, of course I was there at this glorious wedding. And then it goes on to list a series of things that sound awful. Their hairstyle was made of butter, which melted and was ruined. They had a dress made of spider webs, which was ripped off their body when they went through some thorn bush. Why were they walking through thorn bushes? <laughs> Don't walk through thorn bushes at a wedding, especially if you're wearing a dress made of spider webs. And then they had a glass, they had glass slippers that broke when they walked on stone. So whoever this narrator is was a fucking hot mess at this wedding. <laughs> they, pro they probably got totally shit faced, at, and then all this stuff happened. I'm just picturing it. I'm picturing it. I'm picturing it from the perspective of like another guest at this wedding looking over and seeing this lady with a dress of spider webs half ripped off her body stumbling around on broken shoes while trying to hold up their melting butter haircut <laughs> and this this is the person who's stoically telling 
this story. They're recounting this this event. Yeah, this is not the trustworthy narrator you want for a story like this. And getting back to the story, so what's the situation now? Do they live at the castle with the queen? Because the queen didn't want her when she was a baby. So what's the deal with that now? We need some answers about this queen. She can't just be like, oh, hey, you're back. Great. And then just act like everything's cool. Nah, what the hell is your problem, queen? Why did you send me down the river to Cannibal Island? Are they going to do anything about Cannibal Island? (laughs) Because those cannibals essentially held her prisoner to force her to marry their child, at which point she presumably would have been like a slave wife or something. That's horrifying. Are there other slave wives on Cannibal Island? So yeah, what, what else is happening on Cannibal Island? That place... Sounds terrifying. They gotta do something about that. Then again, the cannibals do seem to have access to a lot of magic stuff, so actually maybe you don't want to start a war with magic cannibals. That sounds terrifying, and they've clearly got a lot of magic, because it was super easy for the maiden to just grab the magic wand and the magic boots and that bean like the cake bean that had answers to everything. Apparently the cannibals left all that stuff just lying around, which means they've probably got even more useful and valuable magic stuff somewhere else. Imagine what they've got locked up if that's the stuff they just leave leave around. I feel like the maiden could have used the magic bean more effectively, though, than to just ask it how close the cannibal lady is to catching them. It's got answers for everything, according to the story. When you combine that with a magic wand, you can do pretty much anything. You can even ask the bean, Hey bean, how can I escape? Or how can I kill that cannibal lady? And it would have, ha- it would have an answer. It would give you a plan. And they don't need to say like, Hey bean, are you there? It's fucking there. You're holding the cake with the bean in it. Why are you asking this every time? No matter what the answer was, if they asked like, How could I kill this cannibal lady? You could probably manifest it using the magic wand. But no, instead... She turns herself into a bush, which, of course, can't pick up a magic wand to turn herself back. Nobody, nobody in this story is really operating at a super high level. Least of all the narrator, who thought butter would make great hair. (laughs) Uh, Why is the only character who's given a name that one cannibal guy who hardly does anything? This story's a mess. Story's a mess all around. I really have no idea what we're supposed to take from this in terms of lessons. Nobody's handling shit super well. I mean, the maiden does show courage in escaping, but I don't know how much I like her as a hero. I mean, I can forgive the fact that she immediately fell in love with this guy who wandered out of the river because she was just super desperate to get the hell away from the psychopaths trying to force her to marry a cannibal. And you know what? This river guy is the first person she's met who's not a cannibal, So he immediately seems like the best guy ever. That's fair. She's trying to get off Cannibal Island by any means necessary. Even though, as we established, it's basically a certainty that she's a cannibal herself, and this is the only life she's ever known. So I don't know why she would have any sort of moral high ground at this point. But regardless, I don't know how much of a hero she is, considering she got out of this mess by turning herself into an inanimate object, and then getting lucky that she happened to be on her own mother's property, and her mother somehow figured out that this bush is a girl, and also somehow recognized her, even though she hasn't seen her since she was a baby, and then somehow was happy to see her and threw her a big wedding. 
Wait, okay, this brings us back to the question of this prince. Who is this prince? Because we've only heard of one kingdom, this kingdom. So, is the prince the maiden's brother? I, I really wish they'd included some tiny piece of throwaway information to address this, or just, just not made the guy a prince. There's no reason he had to be a prince. It doesn't affect anything. Could have just been a normal, great guy. Who knows? The lessons are, are as messy and muddled as a melting butter cut. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm going to call butter hair. A butter cut. Uh, all right, the lesson I'm going to take from it is if you have magic, don't turn yourself into an inanimate object because you won't be able to turn yourself back. I mean, I could extrapolate that into a lesson about not boxing yourself into a corner out of desperation or out of fear making panic moves and such. If you're trying to achieve something or avoid something, don't do something in haste that puts you in a worse position than before. Make sure you're still capable and mobile and can still make moves. When shit gets bad, don't turn yourself into a rosebush. Turn yourself into a swan or a cloud of dust, I guess. Both of those transformations worked out great. A cloud of dust actually could do some pretty amazing shit. Probably. But regardless, use all of the tools at your disposal to their maximum capacity, which this girl is not doing. <laughs> all right, let's adapt this thing. So this is going to be it's going to be a fantasy TV show. And we'll start with a family living in the peaceful countryside and they have a young baby. One day they're attacked by a group of invading barbarians who are pillaging all across the land. So as the barbarians are attacking the mother of the family, played by say, Rose Byrne. She puts the, the baby in a covered basket and sets it adrift on a river. So this actually gives her some motivation for putting her baby in a basket and sending it adrift on a river, as opposed to just the sort of whimsical decision that the queen seems to have made in the previous story. The basket then drifts to one of the islands of the barbarians, where it's found by a woman who brings the child in and raises it in secret. Because the barbarians, they hate they hate the group of people where the girl is from. So if people knew that she was from there, they'd kill her. And the mother knows that the girl is from the enemy group because of, let's say, the symbol on the basket that she found her in. And fuck it, let's say this barbarian group are also cannibals. Because adding cannibals into a story, it's always going to up the stakes, right? So why not? So, so this mother who found her and raised her in secret, she's played by Helena Bonham Carter. She secretly raises the child in an abandoned house and teaches her cool magic stuff because she's a sorceress herself and her husband is like the king of the cannibal barbarians and he's played by Willem Dafoe because Willem fucking Dafoe would knock that shit out of the park. And so, when the girl gets older and is played by Anya Taylor-Joy, Helena Bonham Carter says she found this girl who is a wanderer and a fortune teller and thinks that she'd make a good match for their son. And Willem Dafoe, he's suspicious, of course, but he agrees, because who better to have on your side than a fortune teller? And, of course, the girl is not very happy about this, but what else is she supposed to do? Then, one day, she's washing clothes in the sea when a man swims out from the ocean. And let's say this is this guy's played by Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones. So, Anya Taylor-Joy, she's very shocked, and she's mistrustful of this guy who swam out of the ocean, which is a reasonable response when someone appears out of the ocean, and the boy thinks she's a cannibal, so he's mistrustful too, because, you know, he's, he knows where he's swimming. But then, he sees a birthmark on her arm and is like, 
You're my sister. We all fled the town, and I haven't seen our family since the day of the attack, but my mission is to bring down the cannibals, and and Anya's conflicted because it's the only life she's ever known on this island, and she, she has an affection for Helena Bonham Carter. You know, she did raise her and care for her, but she also hates the rest of the cannibals who are ruled by Willem Dafoe with an iron fist. And they're all just they're all just terrible. So she's like, yeah, fuck these cannibals. I'll totally help you. And so the next section of the show is just her secretly hiding Kit Harrington in the abandoned house that she grew up in and helping him to sabotage shit and generally just, just fuck with the cannibals. And at some point, they find Kit Harrington and they also discover who Anya Taylor-Joy actually is and shit goes down, and Willem Dafoe is trying to eat everyone all the time. So Kit Harrington and Anya go on the run, and they have to escape. And they're using the, the trickery and magic that Anya learned. And Helena Bonham Carter is the cannibal sorceress, so, so she has to help the cannibal king to find them. But she also loves Anya, so she's conflicted. Great, lots of conflicted characters. And of course, at some point, they stumble into a strange land, and just when they think that they're done for, a bunch of people surround them, and they realize it's their mom, Rose Byrne. They haven't seen her in ages, and she looks great for her age, because they always do. And she runs off the cannibals and saves the two children, and is reunited tearfully. But the show could continue indefinitely, really, with this war between the cannibals, but also there are emotional connections between Anya Taylor-Joy and Helena Bonham Carter. Also, they both have three names, so they probably bond over that too, you know? All right, I'm getting meta now, so we'll end there. <laughs> but I, could, I would totally watch the shit out of that show. And that will do it for this week's story session. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come on back next time for a story titled Princess Mouse Skin. That sounds disgusting. Come on back next time for what I can only hope is not some type of Frankenstein lady whose skin is a bunch of stitched together mouse pelts, but with these old folktales, I wouldn't rule it out. My name is X Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.